This week's episode, we catch up with my uh, first professional client of Pro One Sports Management back in 2003, um, the great Derek Allen, who was just a kid from Gadsden, Alabama, that got cut in middle school, got cut as a freshman, made the JV team as a 10th grader um, before going on to junior college and then playing in the SEC at Ole Miss. And then having a 16-year professional career, which saw him finish as the uh, second all-time leading scorer in the Bundesliga and the BBL in Germany, one of the top leagues around the world. Um, had some chances uh, along the way where he played some summer league with NBA teams. Just just one of the best uh, people, uh, individuals, character-wise, um, and hardest working guys that I've ever kind of come across. Um, and he's, we just have a great visit. We let him kind of tell his story, um, and talk about how he did that. But we weave through and, and, and towards the end, his three point shot of what are kind of his anchors and pillars are 100%, uh, him and who he is and why he was successful. He's now coaching, uh, in the champions league, um, in Germany as an assistant coach in his first year uh, after retiring, and we get some really good stuff about what they do in practice. He works with two uh, amazing coaches from Spain uh, and learns some little just technical stuff for, for uh, the people that listen that like to hear that stuff too. So um, just pumped to have DA on finally. We've been trying to, to, to line him up for some time, but with his travel schedule and coaching, we, we, we finally connected And uh, as they just got back from Turkey. Um, so kick back, grab a cup of coffee, grab your beverage, pull out your notepad, um, and just listen to the great words of Derek Allen. had some some really fun guests on that as everybody's kind of been tied into kind of my journey through the sport uh at various levels um and then we, we just had on last week the guy that was uh the most instrumental in terms of uh on the agency side when i worked with pro and sports management and the very first although there will be one other guy that may call up and go crazy that he was the very first we'll call it a tie but for the purpose of this the very first client uh was just from little old gadsden alabama right down the road uh my great friend uh for for many years now mr Derek allen da how are you doing sir Danny Server, how are you, sir? Man, good, man. Doing well. Listen, Doing well. any any day that I get to talk to you is a good day, but let's just go ahead and get this out of the way and flex. Um, because it is easily when I met you back in two thousand three, if you would have told yeah. me that um seventeen years later we'd be talking and you were about to spit thirty seconds of what you're about to spit, uh, I would say you're crazy. So rather than you just kind of speak in our native tongue of how okay. excited you are to be on uh the episode of the podcast please go ahead in your new favorite tongue talk about uh how excited you are uh-huh. um hello Liba Loita. it's been Derek allen uh it's come out gas in alabama it's been non-authorized yara it's been i in basketball Profi for Zick Signara, and yes, it's been I'm co-trainer mid SC roster Vesta on the Easy Credit Basketball Bundesliga. <laughs> That's so good. It's so good. I don't know how many people hit the pause button and turned off. I hope. Uh, no, listen. I. Uh, it's amazing to me, and this is kind of. I wanted to start with that, and then we kind of rolled through. Um, how just a kid from Gadsden, 
with your mom and your brother and mm-hmm. to then junior college then and, and then to, to your current position and where you are and how you've developed um i have obviously been uh blessed to be on that ride with you and see all that absolutely but, but talk a little bit just for for the ones who who aren't unfortunate enough to know da talk about just how your journey and you can roll it all the way back to gadsden and and, and from gadsden high and and some of the guys that impacted you as a youth coach um through through your path okay all good but first of all i'm gonna go back and tell everyone what I said in German, just to give them a little update. Thank you I very much. Said, I bet, yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 everybody. My name is Derek Allen. I'm from Gaston, Alabama. I'm 39 years old. I'm a former uh, 16-year professional basketball player who played in Germany and Belgium and Iceland. And uh, now I'm an assistant coach, starting my first season with a uh, former club of mine, SC Rochester Vesta. So, well done. All uh, right, there'll be a quiz on that later to see who everybody <laughs> can pick up. So, but yeah, I mean, for me, man, the journey to now has been like a blur. I mean, uh, for me, I didn't actually started playing organized basketball until the tenth grade. So I started playing JV basketball in tenth grade. So you uh, weren't you weren't that. ranked as a twelve year old. I mean, like, how did you get successful? I wasn't. Okay. I, wasn't <laughs> okay. I wasn't ranked as a twelve year old, eleven year old, thirteen year old. I was. I was the kid who who uh, got cut from seventh and eighth grade basketball. And uh, actually how I got into basketball, one of my cousin, a guy named Terrence Watson, was playing for a local AAU team and uh, being coached by the guy by the name of Steve Stewart. And I just actually went to watch them practice. He was one year younger That's than That's a great me. dude. And, yes, yes. And, yes, he is. So uh, went to his practice, and they had an AAU team that summer. Uh, so I traveled around with them. I didn't play because they were all 13 and under and I was right at the cusp of being 14. So I wasn't allowed to play. So that following year, I played church league basketball, uh, for the church that Steve Stewart went to, uh, Walnut Park. Hold on. Let me cut you off real quick because the part to me that just, as I said, that he's such a great dude, I don't know many, uh, travel AU, whatever you want to call it teams that would have been so ah you're a little too old so i can't play you like <laughs> yeah it, it, exactly so it was just like you know because my cousin was on the team and then i i just actually had to practice with them and he you know he was just like hey i think you you know you could be a player you need to work on this and that and so he was a guy who taught me like any post move I knew, it was started from him with basic fundamentals of from like up and under, drop step, jump hook. And so I played with Walnut Park uh, as a ninth grader. That's the church followed, league team, right? Church league team, yes. And then played AAU um, with my age group of 14, 15 under. And then uh, tried out for Gaston High School JV team. At the time, it was uh, Coach Jerry Frazier, who was actually my who was actually the seventh to eighth grade coach who cut me, actually put me on the team as a junior varsity 10th grader. Unbelievable. And, and uh, played varsity as an 11th to 12th grader at Gaston High School. Um, had some had a good opportunity to play and made it to the regionals. Uh, I lost to Spartan High School as a senior and had an opportunity to go to Southern Union State Community College and play for Coach Ron Rafford. And uh, had a great two years as a – junior college guy who was under the radar and was All-American, state player of the year, and signed a scholarship to go play for Rob Barnes at Ole Miss. And um, that was an unbelievable opportunity for me to play SEC against the guys I grew up watching uh, during my time, Erwin Dudley, Mario Austin, Udonis Haslam, Matt Bonner, all those great guards, uh, Rod Grizzard, um, Terrence Mead, who's from Scottsboro. Mm-hmm. I remember playing against him in high school. And, uh, yeah, so I did three years, did a redshirt junior, did a redshirt year, I'm sorry, my junior year, and then uh, was the starter my last two years. And uh, great time. Won uh, Sweet 16 uh, berth and won NCAA ter- uh, tournament appearance where we lost to UCLA in the first round. So after a great three years, uh, Decided I wanted to try to play, and uh, that's when our paths crossed. That yes, is. yes, yes, exactly. So how that happened was at first I went to a exposure camp at VCU, met a guy by the name of Gerald White, and uh, 
played in that and came back and had nothing. And then my godmother, Camille Sasser, talked to Joe Dean, yep. senior. The great, the great Joe Dean. The great string music. String yeah, music. String music, Joe Dean. And um, she told, he told her that uh, there was an agent out of Huntsville, Alabama, that she should call and, and, uh, See what he'd be interested in representing me. So I remember that phone call. I I, I still remember that phone call to this day because that was when I was going through, um, kind of my my, you know, uh, process and transition of of was I wanting to really get into that world and do that, um, mm-hmm. and so that's when you talk about kind of like worlds colliding. That's where I had met that previous fall. That's when I had met uh, Michael Curry, and so. Mm-hmm. I was going through and he was trying to convince me um, to do it to, you know, and so when, and then we had got that call. And so that's when um, I guess we would have met first time we would have been at Camp Curry at the uh, down at Glen Hills High School in Augusta, Georgia. And um, I remember he was because this is when he, you know, he was still you know starter with the Pistons on their great teams and he was president yeah. of the Player Association. And he always, of course, you know, Mike you know his path was he went through the minor leagues and overseas for four years before he went to the NBA but he always trained like he was that guy trying to make a roster not that he had made it and I remember I remember calling him saying hey I've got this young guy that just finished at Ole Miss and he's kind of an undersized center and play and I, I remember because Julius Jenkins he was was very familiar with because the all-time lean score at Georgia Southern where mm-hmm. MC played and I remember, like, the first night, he was like, ah, let me, let me kind of see, because, like, Stackhouse was coming down and playing. I mean, there was, like, William Avery was in there. I mean, yeah. it was, like, loaded with Ricky Moore. Yeah. And he called me the next day. He's like, yeah, have, 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 you know, the Allen kid can come. And it just, it started from there. And it's it's amazing, you know, your first job that fall, you go to Keflavik in Iceland for seven yeah. months for $1,200 a month. And it's kind of like, <laughs> and, of course, let me... My favorite, one of my all-time favorite uh, DA stories is before that. Remember, you went to try out hey, for a third division team in France, and I remember you calling home, and you're like, "It's so hot, Danny. I can't move. You got cold towels." And I remember talking to Mike, going, "This is the softest kid I've ever met." And then, like, you turn the news on, and there's this massive heat wave that tens of thousands of people are dying. So that was one of the great things to where you're like, I can't stay here. I got to get out of here. And you come back and then you go. Maybe that's why you went to one of the coldest places on earth after the heat wave. I've never thought about that. Um, so let, let, so jump, jump back in there. So you, you head to Keflavik on for the, for that, for that start and just talk about your time there in ice. Because there's here, this is, I think for people that aren't kind of in the know in terms of, players mm-hmm. and mindset here's a guy that you you were a two-year starter in the sec you were a junior college mm-hmm. all-american all that and for you to have the humility and for the openness to go play in one of the smaller markets for next to no money um mm-hmm. rather than oh no my agent sucks that's not enough mm-hmm. screw you this and that like that to me that was when i was like hey this guy's got a chance so that, just talk about your time in iceland a little bit and then and, and we can jump from there yeah, I mean, even before that, like when I was in Bolazak, it was like a situation where I was, when I met MC that summer, uh, he was talking to me and Julius and some of the young guys. And I remember we were walking, we were getting ready to go to Peace Jam. And he was like, man, you guys don't understand how good you got it when you go to Europe. You know, I, my first job was for $30,000. And uh, man, I used to enjoy counting them $3,000 a month <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. So it was like, okay, if this guy started here, why can't I start there? So, I mean, the situation in Bolazac happened. I come back home for six or seven weeks, hear nothing from nobody. And then all of a sudden, I get this call from this agent in Iceland say, hey, maybe we're interested. You know, we want to put our team together. We're going to play FIBA Europe. And I remember calling the guy like every day, like, hey, did you choose somebody? Did you choose somebody? And he was like, no, but you're on our, you're still on our list. You're on our top three. And I was just like, man, if you give me this job, man, I'm going to, I'm going to give it all for you guys and I'm going to help you win the championship. And they picked me and went there. It was a great experience. I played with another American guy by the name of Nick Bradford. From Kansas. Uh, Kansas, yeah. Kansas Jayhawk and uh, coaching. He's coaching girls, high school girls basketball now. And a uh, great dude helped me out a lot during that time. And uh, we played FIBA Euro Cup, which I knew nothing about. Yeah. And uh, 
we played it against teams from Portugal, first division Portugal and first division France. And uh, man, just had an unbelievable time, had great teammates. We won the Icelandic Cup and won the championship and almost advanced into the next round of, of the FIBA Europe as a team from Iceland. Yeah, and, and that's and so that's one of the things in you know, I know you learned this is in, in, in something that I've learned through through all the years uh, at the professional level and now have passed down. You don't you don't ever know who's watching. You don't ever know like who who's evaluating. Exactly. And there's I, I mean I would argue that the majority of players that play in Iceland never get a chance to then jump into a bigger arena stage. It's just a smaller market. And so mm-hmm. literally your eight games that you got to play in the FIBA Euro Cup challenge um I was looking at some just some notes uh, the other day, kind of going back. I mean, you averaged twenty-seven points a game in in ten mm-hmm. boards, and that was it. Like those those couple games on tape. Now you were a, a monster in Iceland, but you know how I did it in a small league, this and that. Mm-hmm. But those games, and and I think that which was a common thread as we're going to hear as we continue through your path, that you were always ready. You were always you always had the work in, and so there's so many guys that want to try to turn the switch on and off. Uh, when they think people are watching, but they don't ever really know who is. And so, you know, you, you rock that year in Iceland. And then from that, we, uh, we cross paths with our boy Uwe Sauer and then get to make the <laughs> jump to Germany, right? Yeah, we make the ju- jump to Germany. Uh, play, yeah, exactly, play for Uwe Sauer. And me and a kid, another former Pro 1 kid by the name of uh, Dominique Jones. Yep. Uh, Goldsberry would have been with one- those guys, right, in that team. Well, not Goldsberry was I after think Goldsberry was a cup after. That's right. And uh, so what happened was with the BG cars rule, never first time in Germany, heard great things about the German league and uh, played for a low level team at the beginning. But Uversau was a guy who gave me a great opportunity to come in there and, and play and establish myself and uh, stayed there for two years and had a really good two years there. And then I left there after two years and went to Bayer Leverkusen. That's where it was. That's right. And and that's where I played with John Goldsberry. And uh, my first two years in Germany, I didn't make the playoffs. And uh, we always talked about it during that time. Like, you know, I had good stats and good, you know, 15 and seven or my first year, 17 and nine, the second year, but I wasn't getting those, that big jump. I I finally got it. And then most of the things you guys always told me was like, dude, you got to, you got to be on a team that wins. You got to be on a team that that makes the playoffs, you know, so you can start to continue to climb. So for me, when I went to Bayer Leverkusen, um, <clears throat> that season we made the playoffs. We got beat in the first round. But um, that's where I kind of – I think my career kind of took off um, mm-hmm. because I became on a playoff team, and then I left Leverkusen and went to Frankfurt. Yeah, no, so, no doubt. Um, and, and then the um... – and then after a, a brief bounce out to, uh, well, let's not skip through because you were with Monsters with Frankfurt and then you were with Alba Berlin mm. when the powerhouse, um, mm. a quick little side turn to Belgium uh, in Charlevoix and then back mm. to your, uh, to your, un- your, your unofficial home country um, of Germany. <laughs> so, because I, I know the numbers move a little bit and I know it's always kind of been between uh, – our, our fellow pro one guy with Ricky and Julius. You, when you finished, um, and then kind of still current start of the year, were you second, the second all-time leading scorer in the in the Bundesliga? Or I know that number's kind of moved around I, a little bit. I, I think it's moved. I think may, it's either me or I think me or Julius are like two or four points in front of each other. I don't know who. I yeah. haven't seen the latest list. No, I know. Uh, the last time I do remember, I was second. Okay, that's that, That's maybe, the last one that I saw. And then Rick is still up there, right? Rick is first now. Yep. yep. So Rick is Rick is still playing well. And, uh, yeah, he's doing good, man. He's first right now. So so it, it's, uh, it's incredible to me um, – and, and this is kind of part of the whole the whole story, and really kind of a lot of the stuff that I want to, you know, hear from you and let let the, you know the people that, that that listen with this to to learn from. So, and, and it's a it's a common thing too. Like I, I I get a kick out of people that that know 
Curry's NBA career, and he was a you know average you know I think six points a game is most of his career. Like ah, mm-hmm. oh, he's just a role guy that could defend and shoot a couple times. I mean, he led the every league that he played in, in Europe in scoring. He just found his role right. in his niche to do it. Same thing for you. You were a, a a scoring machine in junior college, but you go to Ole Miss and Coach Barnes plays a slower style than you do. So you're eight and mm-hmm. five, eight and five at a mm-hmm. six seven um big. But then you 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 find your way, and then all then you kind of the the switch goes on again of of having that ability, but also being able to kind of play roles. Talk about what that was like as um, a player, and probably as you were going through, you probably didn't even realize at the time because you were younger. Um, but now, yeah. kind of looking back upon um, kind of the how you, your your the career path. Just being able to kind of to flow between that of being when mm-hmm. hey I'm a guy and then it's like all right I'm a complimentary piece okay I'm a guy like what what was that mm-hmm. like from a mental standpoint and an approach being a pro? Um, I think you know when I left Leverkusen and I went to Frankfurt was I mean that's when I really made my name I was averaging twenty averaging twenty and ten in the Euro Cup and ended up going to Albert Berlin was still first team all league and then once I got around the age of 32 I went to Shalawa which was a completely different league and then my my stats came down but it wasn't about the stats I just saw how my when I came back to Germany after Shalawa how my my level of teams had kind of shifted and how I was still a guy but then I was like not the main guy and for me at the beginning it was never really tough because I I kind of always notice other things with other guys as you get older and you see, especially with European basketball, they kind of label you as when you get, they say, Hey, when you're 30 that okay, you may have one or two more years, but then the peak is starting to come back down. So for me, it was like, I had to just know that like, okay, I got to stay ready. I got to change the way I do things as far as in the summer, because I always worked hard. I always worked out. I always did cardio. I always, went to the gym and worked for a few hours. And as my career, as I went to Bremerhaven, I was still 12 and five. And then I went to Braunschweig. I went from a start in Bremerhaven to, you know, starting half the season and coming off the bench in Braunschweig and averaging 10 and five. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm 34 years old. I'm starting. I'm not starting. So I'm more of a veteran now. So I took that on because I had great guys like MC. I had a guy named Yes Uber Gordon when I first came to uh, Germany who was on the team with me in Karlsruhe that uh, took care of me, was a veteran around that time and just said, hey, when you get this age and you're blessed enough to play, when you're an older guy, you should always try to take care of the guys who eventually come in front of you and don't take it personal and just continue to work hard and find your niche. So, I mean, for me, that's what I did. Even though I was a, a guy or a role player, I was still able to put in, you know, 10 and 5 my last two years mm-hmm. in Ghana at, you know, 37 and 38. So, for me, it was more about playing the game the right way, being a good teammate, being a veteran, not stepping on anyone's toes, and at the same time being a president in the locker room and, and helping the team and keep the team together whenever there was a time when I needed to. Yeah, and I, I think – that a couple things that one those are lessons that are very transferable to uh a high school player you know it Mm -hmm. might you might be um you know sam goes to randolph so it's a 4a school private school Mm -hmm. or 3a and there's not any pros in that locker room there's not but there there is it's it's still the function of a locker room of team And, and, and every school wherever you are um at that level is that and in in terms of being a great teammate and be and, and there's something there's lessons to that um i mean heck you can even roll it back to the to the younger like if, if you exactly. learn to be a good teammate um and then also and this was another theme that mike talked about last week that you, you've brought up already this morning the importance of winning in but and not like the winning culture like that in in and not uh, being crazy parent or crazy coach that exactly. like screw everybody on the roster. We want to win. That's not what you mean. But the value of team over self, and exactly. that's what winning is. And and so, I think in, in you know obviously you were an incredibly talented player. One of my, which is a terribly uh, use of the term, but I think it was they were trying to do it as a compliment. I remember there was a, a coach from Italy one time that I was talking with out in Vegas at the Summer League. And I think this may have been the year you were playing with the Pistons. 
Um, mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, that, 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 that Derek Gunn, like he, he plays like he's on crack. And like what they were trying to, <laughs> to say is like you, you're just your I, – I think what they were trying to say is that you're just incredible energy. Like you never stop. You just go and mm-hmm. you go and you go. And that's the thing to me that is just so remarkable about your playing career, being able to, to play 16 years, play at a high level. But to do it with the energy that you did, I think, speaks to your preparation. It speaks to your how you kept your body, how you kept your shape. Obviously, the good Lord blessed you with with uh, free from any kind of major injury to where you could yes, play that long. Yes, he did. Um, but you also brought it. So you you, you have the mental um, capacity of team uh, over self, being a good teammate. Be, let's have the teams win because if the teams win, then all of us will get paid. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, then coupled with your, your, your physical preparation, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when I first met MC and, you know, being at Glen Hills and working out with Stackhouse, Will Avery, Julius Jenkins, you know, um, I think it's Jeff Capel when he was before he stopped Jason, playing. it would have so been Jason. Many, it was J- Jason. He had just finished at Carolina. Yeah. And so, so many guys over the years that came through those doors, whether we were in Glen Hills or at Georgia Perimeter, we had coaches come through and uh, just the preparation to work hard and to get up and lift, get up and do cardio, get up in the gym and, you know, work out for two hours and then play for another two hours. I think for me, it was just about still having that motivation because I wasn't highly recruited. So I had to go to junior college. Even when I was in junior college, people didn't think I was good enough. So I went to Ole Miss. I wasn't, I didn't have great numbers. So when I came out of school, I had to start at the lowest level. As you look at European charts of where mm-hmm. Iceland is. So mm-hmm. uh, even when you, you know, when I was going through in Germany, people questioned, ah, okay, he's a scorer, but can he defend? Can he do this? Can he do that? So once you hit that certain age and they said, oh, he's getting older now. So, Will he take, will he fall off from zero to a hundred or, you know, those type of things. So for me, it was always motivation to, you know, I hired someone about five years ago when I turned about 34 to, to train me in the summer and, you know, change my body and how I, how I approach working out to let somebody else show me what I can do to advance my body and so I can stay healthy through a season. So for me, it was all about preparation, working hard and, continue to prove people wrong and just having that mentality of, you know, you're not going to outwork me. Yeah. What of what of the other, uh, one of my other favorite things about you that and MC and I, and everybody will always joke about, which speaks to your drive, which just also speaks to how you played so good for so long is that, uh, you would have this inner mechanism, whether you even were aware of it or not, but like every year when we would kind of bring on new players, uh, to the agency of sign new guys coming out of school or pick up a you know a transfer or whatever, and there was always this element. It could have been a point guard that somebody wasn't in your spot, but there was always this thing in there that was always like, man, he's not getting my spot. I'm better. Like it, we weren't we weren't even a team in terms of a roster like that. But you had that competitive yeah. drive because MC would always get a kick out of like it's like man, I mean. You guys just signed Jason Richards from Davidson, and DA was kind of like kind of pissed off about it. <laughs> it was kind of like, and not in a, not in a bad sense, but like it was just that drive that was always. We would always try to use you as the model to talk to guys about like this is how you do it. And the thing, the years that I worked in that space and did that, you're in the one percent about that. Like, and that's why you were so good and, and did be in, and, and that's. It's so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this was in addition to just to kind of hear about your you know great story of how you you know didn't make your JV team until tenth grade mm-hmm. and play, but to hear about what kind of made you tick, how you how your drive, your 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 preparation, but your your attitude to team like those are things that um, if you're a parent of, of a ten year old boy or girl that, that's what you want to try to instill and teach and not that they're gonna become the greatest score in, in, in the Bundesliga history or what, play in the NBA, but that may just make mm-hmm. them be the best middle school or high school player. That may make them the, and give them the best experience because those things are transferable. Um, those are things that um, that drive for you to have is something that has always been uh, something that has always blown me away, um, but obviously is one of the things that kind of made you tick. So, um, yeah. yeah. Te- hey, so yeah. let's shift to this. Now. So l- l- let's shift to – your current job title uh, as assistant coach 
uh, talk a little bit about the transition from from you retiring um, mm-hmm. and now jumping in uh, wearing a remarkable uh, European <laughs> cut suit every game, as I'm sure, <laughs> as I've seen the pictures. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the change from, from hanging up the high tops to now breaking down film and flying around planes and trying to get people to play hard, what, what that's been like for you so far. Oh, man, I mean, the, the thing was that even after we finished last season, I still had that itch to play. But during the last two years, I always felt myself and my vision changing, you know, with little things. And, and I'm going to lead up to where I am now. That's where I'm starting with sure. this is because I would be in timeouts. And our coach, Bjorn Harsman, he's at NBC now. And I would be sitting. It was probably in the middle of the first season I was at Yana. And we would be in a timeout. And I would think about what we could do in the timeout. Like, while I'm watching him drop a play in the huddle, blah, 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 and I'm focused on the game, but at the same time, I'm looking at the clipboard thinking, like, okay, we can run this down screw for Julius, but maybe we can run run Julius off a double staggered instead. And so it was just a little bit. So finishing the season, I was starting to think, and I would watch EuroLeague games, and I would, you know, write down plays and watch things. And last season, it became more and more evident that, I would think about it more, you know, watch more games. I would, you know, write down plays and uh, watch, you know, individual workout videos, coaching clinic videos in my spare time. And so when this last season finished, I set up to have my uh, get my coaching license, my B license here in Germany and uh, still was working out, still was hoping to play. We had talked about it. I can't think I came home in May. Mm -hmm. um, So when I went back, to the States, I flew to Germany to see UMA, went back and came back to the States again <laughs> and uh, with my family. And uh, I ended up going to Vegas to a, a thing called Pro Scout School, a thing that's led by Fran Fachilla. It's yep. about getting into the business, meeting, networking, player development and jobs, D-League D or G-League jobs, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, I met my... Uh, my former coach, Pedro Callas, who was uh, the head coach. He was my assistant coach when I played here in Rasta Vesta from 2015 to 2017. And uh, he was working with the Timberwolves, and we were just chatting. And he uh, he had a great season last season where they made it to the semifinals, beating Bamberg. And uh, fast forward, come back to Vegas, come back home from Vegas to Atlanta. And then he calls me one day and just says, hey, DA, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm thinking maybe. <laughs> he needs a five man. <laughs> he needs a veteran five man because I saw okay they playing they playing Champions League. Okay, maybe Pedro wants to sign the old man for one last run. And uh, he had different uh, ideas. Like, hey, I just want to know what you're doing, what you're thinking. Are you still trying to play? And I said, yeah, I'm still trying to play. But hey, what's going on? Talk to me. He said, uh, well, I'm in need of a assistant coach, and I need a former player. And I know that you want to coach, and I know that. Um, I think you will be a great fit for my program and you fit a lot of the things that I want as an assistant coach. And uh, we had a good hour, hour talk about everything. So I'll give you some time, give you a week or two to think about it, talk to Ellie, uh, see what you want to do and see if you still want to play. If not, but I think, you know, this is something that you want to do. And I had just got my license. So in the end, I accepted it, and you know. What, let me let me pause you there. What uh, at what point uh, in the call in and and how quickly did you transition from like he doesn't want me to freaking play like he wants me to <laughs> like like did you like how, like how quickly did you go like next play is one of my all time favorite phrases. All right, next play, let's go. We gotta go next play, next play, next play. Like how quickly did you go next play? Like did you was it a little bit like. Damn, man, let me call you back. Like, in or did were you already kind of to that 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 was an easy uh, switch for you? No, it was more like you know, like man, damn, I got to call you back on this one because, uh, <laughs> yeah. because I'm still hoping to play. And I, but I also I took it serious because I know Pedro; he's a great dude. He he would never call me, and if he didn't feel like I would benefit his program or you know help him in any way so yeah what i did is i took my time i i talked to my wife about everything and my thing was to just play one more year so then it came down to the point of do i want to play one more year just to play or do i or do i focus on what's next what i want to do anyway so it was like play one more year 
and fight to get that one more year, or do I go ahead and jump into the next thing, what I want to do for the next 15 years or mm-hmm. 20 years? I don't know. So, and I had to look at it from, I've had a great career. I've did some amazing things. I've done more than I ever imagined. And uh, for me, it was just like, okay, maybe the time is now. I yeah. had just got my B license. Uh, everything was coming into place. It's something that I want to do. And uh, so, you know, I accepted the job and it's been great. It's been a great transition for me. Uh, so you guys learning. were just in Turkey earlier this week, right? Like, you, I mean, you, yeah. you are around traveling a bunch. Um, yeah, yeah. So we are, we of course, we're playing in First Division Germany. Uh, and we're also playing basketball champions league. It's the third highest, um, level international competition in Europe behind Euro league and Euro cup. So some people will say it's even same level as Euro cup because there are a lot of former Euro cup teams in this competition. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I got there with Pedro, he basically just threw me in the fire. Like, Hey, DA, here's your cutting software. Here's your VLC. Here's your fast draw. Uh, here, I'm going to help you with this at the beginning and the end. And I'm going to need you to pick it up. If you got any questions, please let me know. Um, so I think for me, everything, the biggest learning curve for me since I've jumped to the other side is now looking at how you prepare yourself for the opposite team as a coach and as a versus a player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, it's like one of those things if coach says, hey, we're going to run high horns three or something like that a horns play as a player you say okay they're going to get the ball to me or they're going to get the ball to julius quick pick and roll defense help if da's not there on the roll we hitting julius but as a coach it's like okay we run horns three they play they play flat contain or drop we can turn the corner and we can play two on two or play above the rim without without five minutes so that's been the biggest transition as far as working with the guys we got a great group of guys uh um, who listen? Who actually listen to me? I guess maybe it's, it's always good when you when you play a little bit and <laughs> when you have a little bit of a name. But um, also, I work for two great coaches, not only Pedro Callas, but also a guy named Miguel Sabata, both uh, Spanish coaches and guys who do a lot of really dynamic training and mm-hmm. the, way, the way we practice. And uh, so it's definitely something I try to pick up from them every day and. Uh, it's been great, man. I'm enjoying it in the in the war room, in the film room nice. a lot. But uh, it's been it's been great, man. So great. Uh, le- I want to get to to what some of the stuff you guys do in in practice and train because we have a lot of coaches that listen to the podcast that that I get a lot of uh, messages from of they love here and we have guests on to talk about that. But but my before we get to that, like I have no doubt that you travel with not one but probably two amazing Gucci bags. So when you're traveling around with your bag and your and your plane shoes are in those Gucci bags, like how how like how often do you're like, "Man, let me pull these things back out and and lace up and play." No, I mean, the funny thing is we got a here in Rasta Vesta, they got a, a under a 40 and under uh team. <laughs> and so the coach <laughs> The coach is always trying to get me to play. He's added me to the WhatsApp group with those guys. Every tournament, hey, Derek, can you play this week? Can you play this week? So for me, um, I do a lot of training in the morning. I mean, because my day is full. I mean, being also a coach, being a father and a husband, I I, tr- I go do my own training, weights and cardio, 6 a.m. to about 8. And uh, that's, that's my training for me. I shoot a little bit after practice here, four or five shots a little bit, but I don't really – I don't even really, uh, per se, want to hoop right now or want to play. So I think in the summertime when I come back, maybe I hit up a Lifetime Fitness or um, LA Fitness to do some pickups. But um, but I, I I but tell me if I'm wrong. I have no doubt that if you had to go out there and drop that shoulder for your hook or hit the little DA fadeaway, <laughs> that when 100% is still in that Gucci bag, correct? Oh yeah, it's still okay. in there. All right. All right. I, shoot, I shoot, I shoot a couple fadeaways after every practice. Yes, there we like, go. Yeah, you want to, you want to shoot up with us today? You want to practice tomorrow? I'm like, nah. I'm, I'm oh, good, the man. DA I'm fadeaway. Good. That's pure gold. All right, so let, let's good. do this. Talk a little bit about because I, uh, and that is one of the things that you know, coaches. I think great coaches are always great learners. They're they're always mm-hmm. um, trying to pick up, and that's one of the neat things 
that has has uh, that I've aimed for with the podcast is being on. You know, we've had Jean Rocon from the ACB. We've had from mm-hmm. uh, uh, Florian Collet in, in France, and we've had you know Mike Taylor coaches the Poland national team, and Greg Stolt from China, and and and, mm-hmm. and Coach Mack, who's been all over the world. Like in so we've had some really good insight into things. Talk a little bit about in 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 it can be a little technical in terms of just a few minutes of what are what are things that that you guys kind of do on a daily basis in terms of skill, in terms of shooting, or in terms of things that maybe it's a little different that you didn't you hadn't even seen in your you know twenty plus years of playing in college on the pro level. I mean, I mean, absolutely. I mean, for me as a player, what I've what I saw was you know normal beginning of practice, warm up, three man weave and then stretching or some uh, Australia drill where you put two minutes on the clock and you got to make a certain amount of makes. Um, but now with Pedro and Miguel, it's more about breakdown, development. First part of our practice is always about development, where we do certain types of drills. Maybe it's uh, etudis drill where it's two or zero, catch and go, advanced finish, uh, shooting shots, uh, sidesteps, you know, sh- just all about fundamentals, passing, uh, you know, four and zero drills, four and zero backdoor uh, working. I mean, these are essentially some of these drills are essentially for <laughs> high school, you know, right. four and zero backdoor, you know, dribble hard, show your fist, get out, pass, cut, replace. And because um, I think for Pedro's system, he's really big on the technical things of how you pass the basketball. Don't make chest passes from out of bounds. We do a lot of two on zero situations of making make the helicopter pass more than the straight chest pass. Think of a defender in front of you. Uh, you know, everything is really technical, but it's really good. You know, hey, when we run five on zero, we don't when the ball goes through the hoop, we just don't pass the ball out. Guys take the basketball out. Guys get in outlets, one, two pass and pass to the next group. So they're ready for five on zero. Mm-hmm. So for us. Every morning we do a lot of development things, a combination of things. Uh, like I said, pick and roll two on zero, three on zero, four on zero back doors. We do a drill, um, four on zero, four quarters called four on zero one plaza, where it's just about, you know, passing, rim running, boom, boom, throwing it off the rim, going down two times the back and last the big man finish. So we take about 20 20 minutes to the first practice, uh, beginning of practice and work on fundamentals. The Whether it fun- be shooting, passing. Yeah, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. The, the, the funny thing about that, and, and then again, this is another common thing, is like guests will be on and, and I'll hear like, you know, it, where you think it seems very juvenile and very like this is what those teams should do. But mm-hmm. I go to a lot of high school practices and a bit that they don't do that. <laughs> like, And that's kind of mm-hmm. the point that there's like that you guys are um, – at, at, at one of the highest levels of professional basketball, and yet mm-hmm. these coaches continue to do the same things every day of just the basic mm-hmm. things. And, um, you know, one, one of my dear friends, uh, Lenny Acuff, who's now the coach at Lipscomb, for, for many, like, be the master mm-hmm. of boring was one of his, I, I, I love that phrase. Exactly, and exactly. Do, exactly. you know, be really, be really, really good at the things that happen all the time in the game. That's a coach Beeline who's with the Cavs now and, and heard them years ago at West Virginia and became um, friends with him. And at Michigan is like, just be great at things that happen. And that's like catching the basketball, passing the basketball, mm-hmm. making a good pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And to just really drive that stuff home, you don't have to have, you know, uh, you know what, what's our what's our you know our our system and our analytics and we do all just pass it catch it really good and shoot it and dribble it. and you guys you know and I've I've just seen it through all the travels through my years and all the countries they just do it over and over and that's kind of exactly. like just do the same stuff over and over right yeah that's what it is I mean you know it's not anymore about hey let's go out here and do three man weave three man weave is fine but how about Let's work on let's do three man weave and add part of a system where you're just running, you're passing the ball side to side, and then you work on, hey, the big catches in the middle, swing, pick and roll. Hit the roll guy, the roll guy passes to the the third guy for the shot and make it interesting. Or, you know, two on zero, you know, back doors or it has to be fundamentals. What I've learned so far in these first five months, fundamentals in basketball is the biggest thing before you can take the next step. It's not about how you run pick and roll. It's not about how you can do the 
some type of Rajon Rondo layup. <laughs> All that is fine. But first and foremost, it's about learning how to have footwork, pivot work, catching the basketball, sprinting the spots, getting open, showing your fist, showing your hand. And uh, to all high school coaches out there, please, every day in practice, take the first 20 minutes of your practice and work on fundamentals, whether that be passing, shooting, or a combination of things. And it will help your kids, and it will teach them about the basics, and then you can take the next step about, hey, how to play out of floppy, how to you know, run a, a double drag in transition. Fundamentals is the first step. Uh, for basketball players. Yeah. Even even guys who are 15 year pros. Yeah. Can't run floppy unless you have somebody that can dribble and pass to somebody exactly. coming off the screen who can catch and shoot, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um uh, a couple more minutes here um before uh we let you dive back into breaking down tape and getting ready <laughs> uh for for the, for the next game. Talk about we we do I do something every week where um, we just call it our three point shot and it's something that can be specific to a skill or kind of a macro philosophy of things that were kind of important to you and this could have been as a player or now as a coach you know things to like speak to like hey do these kind of three things were kind of anchors and pillars of your and I think we've kind of probably gone through some of them already just in terms of your preparation your drive but what are three things that for you, our 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 main uh, uh, anchors that you think should be important for others that can maybe learn from. Um, I would say the first thing, most importantly for me, is discipline. Whether I'm a coach or I'm a player, I think it's important to have discipline in anything you do in life, uh, because it's like the base for everything you want to do next. Because you can't take step two without step one. So I think for me, discipline is the most important thing, first and foremost. Uh, second would be putting in the work, putting in the time uh, to coaches or to players. As a player, when you feel like you're not good enough, it can be a reason. Maybe it's, it's, it's talent, but it shouldn't be because of hard work. You know, with coaches, if we feel like that we're not good enough writing, writing plays quick enough or – we're not picking up things as the game goes along. That means we have to study film more. That means we have to watch other teams, take time to watch other teams practice. I think uh, we live in a society where everyone is afraid to ask for help with something um, or ask or want or some or coaches don't want to let other coaches in. At the end of the day, we all run the same things. It's about your philosophy and how you take it for your basketball team. So uh, put it to work. Um, the third thing for me is just dream big mm-hmm. for players and coaches, uh, even for kids who are in middle school who want to be, you know, on a high school team, be on varsity in ninth grade, or even coaches who coach in high school who want to get to college level, who want to get to the pro level. I think you have to dream big. You have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in what you're doing every day. And uh, don't stop until you get where you want to be. Yeah, that's that is uh fantastic because th- those are things that it can be uh at any level um that you can take and go with and i think are awesome and i think they totally as someone that has been on the journey um since 2003 with you totally know that that is those aren't that's not lip service that's that was your life Absolutely. that is uh why it can continues to do so and why um your next play, while I would much rather still see the old man hit the fadeaway, hit the shake, <laughs> uh, and roll, but it's it's more exciting now to kind of see um, what amazing designer belt with your suit you'll have on and then <laughs> shoe game and bag, because I know that is on point 100%. But in all seriousness, just to kind of see you now tackle this, because with those three things you talk about, um, I have no doubt that that you know, we'll be looking up and, and seeing you coaching somewhere on a big TV screen, sitting around going, man, that's the kid from Gadsden that was just spitting all kinds of German uh, at the start. So it, it's been, I, I will tell you this, D, it was like, it's it's been neat on this podcast uh, project in, as we've talked about in some of the earlier episodes where it's something I've wanted to do for a couple of years because I, I've been very mm. blessed to meet and, and, and learn from so many great people that there wouldn't have been a pro one 
um, without some of, some of the key guys that have been on. And then like there's there's always just one number one. Um, and so it's been been super proud of, of seeing how you have developed and done that. But in as you continue to do Thank that. Thank you. Um, Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank all right, you. get close. Let's do this. Clo- hit, give me some. Te- you know, ra- wrap it up. I need to hear a little more German in my ear. Wrap up something with just telling us how much fun you've just had. Uh, finally being on the podcast. Uh, like it's about damn time that you had me on. <laughs> okay. Vielen Dank, liebe Leute. Uh, Danny uh, ist mein Freundin, mein Mentor, mein Agent und uh, ich habe eine tolle Zeit mit dem Podcast und uh, alles Gute für euch und uh, keep going. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love it, my man. Listen, all right, so you go uh, get back on your on your work grind and uh, tell tell the family uh, I said hello and let's uh, let's let's catch up maybe later in the year to see if uh, if the, if those young boys have been listening to what you've been teaching them. all right bud all right my man thank you man all the best please tell everybody I say hello man make sure Sam is still knocking down that jump shot man I want to see some more footage man. I know you gotta you gotta shoot to make him right that's what we're working on with him so it's good so all right big time go uh, right, go get go keep doing your thing and we'll talk soon all right man all right much for listening to this week's episode of Proland Dialogue. I hope everybody enjoyed the visit with Derek Allen. Uh, as always, get excited when I when I pick up something new from from the guests and, and from someone that I've been friends with and worked with now since 2003. I still picked up a couple of new things today. So um, I, I invite all of you, if, if you don't not already do so now, subscribe to Proland Dialogue. Go, go do so. Uh, we're available Wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, um, go back and do a deep dive through some of the earlier episodes um, and look forward to catching up with you guys again soon.